0: You're listening to Boomers Today with your host, Frank Sampson. Well,
1: welcome to Boomers Today. I'm your host, Frank Sampson. Of course, each week we bring you important and useful information on issues facing baby boomers, their parents, and other loved ones. And I just want to thank everybody again for all their support. Uh, So many of you are listening our show. Uh, Many of you go to our website at uh, boomerstodayradio.com. I think uh, the statistics we're getting is most of you are going on your walks in the morning and uh, listening to it on our free app. Uh, You could uh, get our free app. Uh, If you don't have it, you want to share it uh, with anybody. Also, uh, it's Boomers Today. You just go on your iPhone or Android phone and the app store. It's free. And you can download it and keep up to date. We're, of course, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, and many of the other uh, podcast stations online. Uh, so, again, I, I just want to thank you for, for your support uh, with that. Um, and I think we're also getting a lot of listeners because we have wonderful guests. And today's going to be no different. Uh, we have with us uh, Aaron. You know what, Aaron? I didn't ask, uh, ask to pronounce your last uh, pronunciation of your last name. Is a Gallien. Galleon. Know. Galleon. Okay, got it. All right, great. So, Aaron Galleon. Uh, Aaron is a pharmaceutical sales trainer, professional speaker, and published author. In 1997, Aaron lost her father, Mike, to non Hodgkin's lymphoma. I'm sorry, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and in 2018, she lost her sister Megan to a rare lung disease. These heartbreaking life events combined with her professional experience taught Erin how to effectively advocate for a patient. As a result, Erin's vision in life is to share her knowledge with others so they can do the same. In in 2020, Erin published her first book, badass advocate becoming the champion for loved one deserves uh your loved one deserves i'm sorry Uh, i'll try that again here we go badass advocate aaron (laughs) becoming (laughs) the champion your loved one deserves i didn't have my uh, second cup of coffee this morning.
2: (laughs) that's okay about that
1: but aaron thank you so much for joining us on Boomers today i really appreciate it
2: thank you for having me i'm so excited to speak with you
1: yeah this is great this is great so you know, first of all, I'm sorry for your losses and, and everything that you had to go through. Thank you. Uh, I think that um, uh, many of us in the senior care industry and, and, and those that are listening uh, either have gone through something similar or maybe could be going on their on their way to something
0: like mm-hmm. that. So
1: for sure. I, I think that, uh, you know, your your advice will be extremely helpful to them. You know, to, Aaron. maybe we could just start out talking a little bit about your background and how you think your ba- this background even helped you in becoming such a s- strong advocate for uh, your, your father, your sister.
2: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. So as you mentioned, when my father passed away from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, or I guess during his illness, I was in college. So I was 20 years old. I w- went to the University of North Carolina, but my family was in... Philadelphia. So I grew up outside of Philadelphia. So I wasn't anywhere close to home when my dad was sick. So I was not an advocate. I, my mom was the main caregiver as you would expect. And uh, my sister actually was around to uh, be an advocate for my father. So I really wasn't a part of his journey, which of course was a regret, you know, after he passed away, which we did not expect, you know, you, it happens fast and all of a sudden that person's gone and it's a shock And um, you look back saying, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. Thankfully, we had a loving relationship and I didn't have any regrets there. So when my sister was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I I know I didn't put that in there, but she actually um, was diagnosed with cancer and her cancer, which was the same as my father's, different uh, version of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, caused an autoimmune disease and the autoimmune disease caused a lung disease. And the lung disease is actually what um, took her life because it was a very rare and aggressive lung disease. It's called bronchiolitis obliterans for anyone who for some reason is familiar with that disease. So um, the cancer, she did go through chemo and she was um, cancer free as February of 2018. And during her journey, her health journey, so she was diagnosed in September of 2017 and then um, she passed away in October of 2018. So a little bit over a year. During that, those 13 months, I was living in Dallas. My sister was living in Charleston, South Carolina. And so I was flying back and forth supporting. But again, my, my poor mother was the caregiver again. Um, although my mom is so good at it, let me tell you. She is just a rock star when it comes to nurturing and caring for someone else. Um, but unfortunately, she's had to do it with Two of her loved ones. So I was there really more as support, um, as well as my brother, my sister's husband, and other friends and family. And um, what I realized during that journey was that my background as a pharmaceutical sales trainer, and also previ- previous to that, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep. So I have spent 20 plus years in the pharmaceutical sales industry, speaking to physicians, understanding how to ask them good questions. And now in the last, um, what, probably 10 years, I have been coaching pharmaceutical sales reps how to do the same. And those attributes, that skill really helped me to advocate for my sister. It wasn't something that I planned on, obviously, but as time went on, I thought this is something I'm comfortable with and my professional skills are carrying over into my personal life.
1: That's uh, uh, a great story. Thank, thank you for uh, sharing that. And then, uh, so then what, then what led into the book? Was it, mm-hmm. uh, is that something that just you were planning or just like one day you woke up and said, I got to write a <laughs> book about this. I mean, I've written a book also, so I understand yeah. the amount of time and, and work and effort, but uh, tell us about that journey.
2: Yeah, so the stars kind of aligned. So I was an English major in college, and I loved to write, and so I always wanted to write a book. But certainly, I did not think I'd be writing a book on this subject. Um, when my sister was sick, and I was in the hospital, and we formed some good relationships with the physicians and nurses, and there were a few things that kept standing out in my mind that were being that were really helpful when advocating for my sister. And I thought, you know what, I should do. I should train people in the hospital so when I was pregnant with my uh, baby I went to the local hospital to take a CPR class and where is that class it's downstairs in the hospital so I thought I could do something similar and teach people that are visiting their loved ones they could come down for 30 60 minutes and I could train them on here's how you advocate when you go back upstairs and then the more I thought about it, and I was talking to one of the physicians about it, and he was like, I think that's a great idea. I think this could be really helpful to other family members. But the more I thought about it, I realized it would be much more beneficial to people if I wrote a book because I could touch a lot more people than maybe the 10, 20 people that I reach in a hospital. So that's kind of what led to that. Um, and so I had my dream come true of writing a book, but it wasn't necessarily the topic that I hoped to cover. At the same time, writing a book has helped me to heal. I'm glad I did it when I did because I started writing about six months after my sister passed away. I was actually thinking about this last night. If I didn't write that book when I did, I don't think I would remember everything that I wrote in the book. So I'm glad that I kind of did a a brain dump of information and then organized it for other people to use to their advantage because I feel like if they take what I learned from my journey, they would have a better start than I did, and I'm—I want to give other people that gift.
1: Yeah, so I'm curious. Uh, from the the time you started writing to the time you were kind of finished writing, and it takes maybe a little bit of time to get it all published and all that. But um, how much time did it take you? I mean, did that mm-hmm. brain dump? Did it happen pretty quick, or did it? Uh, it did. did it? Yeah, I it did. So. And
2: um, I joined a self It's called self publishing school, so they don't pay me but I will say if you ever want to write a book, anyone on this call wants to write a book and they, you know, you don't, you're not famous like me, right? I don't, I'm, I'm just a regular girl from Philly. It's a great way to write. They teach you how to write the book and all the steps. Um, and I wrote that book and published it within less than a year. I think I started in May of 2019 and I published in March of 2020. And okay. um, I think because I had to get that information out, Frank, I had to like, get it all out in the stories. And, um, once I got it all out, it was very easy, probably easier than other topics that maybe take more time to think about just because of how raw
1: it was. Did the book, um, was it a help to your mom and maybe other loved ones that were close to both your father and sister?
2: Yeah. So my mom, um, did read it and she did say it was really hard to read but I think it was good for her. And my mom was such an asset too, because like I said, I wasn't the caregiver. So I write from the perspective of a patient advocate, but in the book, I do refer to my mom because she's been a caregiver twice and she has a lot of great information to share a lot of knowledge. Um, I don't think my brothers read it because I I think it's a little too hard to go into it. So, um, I've had other family members and friends of my sister, my sister and my father, um, mostly my sister's in the book, but, um, they have read it. And, um, if you read the beginning, I usually have people text me that know me and say, I, I kept crying. I couldn't get past the first <laughs> introduction without crying. And I said, well, keep going because it will get better. And it's, you know, the, the stories may be sad, but the tips aren't sad, you know, they're just helpful.
1: Right. Right. So, uh, The I I know you cover in your book some strategies, you call Mm -hmm. them uh eight uh, badass strategies. (laughs) That's right. And and, um, I'm wondering if we're going to get bleeped out on our on on the rate on the radio (laughs) part of uh, of the show, not not the (laughs) podcast, but on the radio. But uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll worry about that later. We can Um, call BA
2: if that's better, yeah, (laughs) and then people will know,
1: (laughs) right? 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 But uh, uh, you know i don't want you to give away everything from your book uh mm-hmm. I we want, I want people to go out and get it but uh m- maybe you could touch on a a few of these strategies give us some examples of uh some strategies uh that uh, you you have used uh that you used uh, or want to share with with others that might be going through something similar
2: absolutely i'm i'm more than happy to share so i thought about your audience and the fact that Some of them may be caregivers for the first time, or some may be like my mother who have cared for either children or friends or siblings or a spouse, and this is their second go around. So they are experienced, but maybe they need a fresh tip or a fresh perspective. So the one thing I want to say when I think about the caregivers and the senior caregivers that I know in my life, my one piece of advice is be open to help. I think sometimes, you know, because maybe it's our spouse and we feel like it's our responsibility and it's no one else's responsibility. We get, we have this feeling that we shouldn't have to rely on other people, but you know, caregivers fatigue, and I'm sure you've probably talked about this on another podcast episode, but that's a real medical condition.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's serious. You know, as you know, I'm in the, uh, senior care industry, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, have been for a long time. And unfortunately, we see you know, there's so much emphasis uh, being put on the person who needs the care, but that actual caregiver it's it's not uncommon where that caregiver actually passes before the person uh, that uh, needs the care Uh, due to the stress and uh, sometimes it's a spouse, and and it's not uncommon. We go through that quite a bit. So yeah, there's there's a lot, uh, a lot on, on on them, and it's a big issue. So you gotta yeah, care, is, you got to take care of yourself first. You do,
2: you do. In fact, I talk about caregiver fatigue in the book. And for anyone who's not familiar with it, it I do write a different definition, and it says talks about caregiver stress can be for the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual toll that affects of care that the effects of caring for another has upon a caregiver. So it's not just the physical part, it's everything. And it can affect everyone in different ways. So that part of trying to avoid the caregiver's fatigue and not happen what you just talked about, which is passing away before the person that you're taking care of passes away. Maybe they have a terminal illness, hopefully not, but that's so important that we take time for ourselves. That's one piece of it, but also asking and allowing others to help. And so I talk about the first badass strategy I talk about is building a support team. I know for some families that's easier than others. So sometimes you have to get creative if it's not easy for you. If you don't have adult children that live by or you don't have siblings that are close that can help you or a good friend, like look to neighbors There are churches nearby that, you know, they have programs to come and support and maybe they just sit with the patient while you go and get some me time or run some errands. So you might have to get creative, um, but certainly ask for help. But I want to impress upon people to be open to help. So there's a quote that I wrote in the book. um, That's from Brene Brown, who I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. I don't know if you are familiar with her, but Yeah. um, yeah. So in her book, the gifts of imperfection, she writes, Somehow we've come to equate success, success with not needing anyone. Many of us are willing to extend a helping hand, but we're very reluctant to reach out for help when we need it ourselves. It's as if we're dividing the world into those who offer help and those who need help. The truth is that we are both. So I think Mm -hmm. for your audience, this is so fitting because you're going to have some people that aren't in the situation right now that can offer their help to others who they know family members, friends, and then you have some people in your audience that are caregivers right now and they need to be on the receiving end and they need to be open to that and say okay, not only am I open to it but I also need to maybe seek it out because sometimes people want to help but they don't know how to help. All
1: right. So we're going to take a break a real quick break in a in a second but I want to I want to ask you so you know the old saying doctors sometimes make the worst patients, right? And- yes. Um, are, were the recommendations that you're giving, which are great, were you, did you, uh, follow these, uh, did you follow this? Uh, yes. Sort of you did. Good for you.
2: Yes. And I also forced my mother to. So what we did was the, um, the summer before my sister passed away, she was really sick. And my family was getting really worn down emotionally, my mom physically. And, you know, we, my brother my sister and I all have children and we had a a family vacation planned from before when my sister got sick, diagnosed. So we still took that family vacation, which was very hard to do because there's guilt involved. We moved the family vacation from Colorado to the beach of South Carolina. So we were still within driving distance. But we asked my aunt and uncle to come down from Pennsylvania because people want to help, like I said. And we asked them to come and take care of my sister for a few days. My brother-in-law was around and I, at one point, took a break from the beach for one day to go sit with my sister and, and help out. But we did have my aunt and uncle come and gave them directions, laid out, and I have it on my website, like a care instructions, which I highly recommend so you can walk away feeling good that those people that are stepping in temporarily know what to do. And you walk away feeling like, okay, I feel relaxed. And guess what? They feel more confident too. So you definitely, we did it. It was hard, but you have to do it.
1: That's great. Great. So we're going to take just a a real quick break here just to recognize our sponsor. We'll come back and we'll find out how people can get your book and your website and maybe talk even about a couple other strategies as well. Okay. All right. Just want to remind everybody that, Today's show is sponsored by Senior Care Authority, an elder care consulting organization that has a national network of professionally trained and experienced local advisors to assist families in determining the right path for your loved ones. they will discuss various long-term care options, whether it's in-home care, assisted living, memory care, nursing, or if you just need an advocate to get advice from, a local Senior Care Authority advisor can help you now. So for a free 30-minute consultation with an advisor in your area, contact Senior Care Authority at 888-809-1231, or you could go directly to the website at www.seniorcareauthority.com and you'll find a local advisor in your area. Um, So uh, we're we're back with Aaron, who's a a pharmaceutical sales trainer and has uh, written a, a wonderful book um called badass advocate becoming the champion your loved one deserves. So uh Aaron uh, uh l- l- let's uh well let's start out so we don't run out of time here. H- how can people uh get your book tell us uh, where your website so, you know about your website or anything else you like to share with our listeners.
2: Yeah, so it's pretty easy. My book is on Amazon um and my book is also on barnesandnoble.com and walmart.com so you can go to any of those places and they have badass advocate or we'll say ba for the radio station hopefully they won't beep us um and then my website is of the same name it's w- www.badassadvocate.com you can get my book there there's links there also on my website because i am really about sharing information I have a lot of resources. I do have podcasts that I've been on. I have a blog and it's not just blog from me because I'm not the only person that's been through this in the world. I tap into others who have been through similar experiences and really different experiences, patients, caregivers. So uh, I have a lot of guest bloggers so they can share their experience and give away tips, things that they've learned so we can all help each other and support one another.
1: Great. So what would you say, and maybe you discussed it already, but uh, you know, certainly you could share any of the other strategies you talk about in your book, uh, specifically uh, this, you know, maybe the one strategy you think made the biggest impact on your family.
2: Yeah. So I think the biggest, one of the best tips I can give your audience is about how to ask good questions. You know, I know that when I look at my mom's generation, there is a high respect for physicians, which isn't a bad thing. It's only a bad thing if it prevents you from advocating for your loved one, where you are not willing to speak up because maybe there's a fear, or maybe you have such a great relationship with this physician for the last 30, 40 years that you don't want to step on his or her toes. But we really need to practice and utilize the technique of using good questions. And this is something that I teach my pharmaceutical reps to do. And so I do it naturally because I've been training reps to do it for so long. And I did it myself as a sales rep. So I talk about in the book about asking open-ended questions versus close-ended. So an open-ended question is a question that starts with what, how, when, who. So it really gets the person on the other end of that conversation to open up and answer an unsolicited Question meaning, maybe unsolicited isn't the right word, but it's it's not a leading question. We call it so. I'm not directing you in a certain direction, I'm letting you tell me what you want to tell me without me kind of leading you down a, a road, and I get a better answer and better information that way versus a close ended question, which is your is do are. So, let me give you an example if for my sister. She had a lung disease. So, extra, and she was a former athlete. So, she always exercised. So, exercising when you have a lung disease is very difficult. So, if I would ask the physician, can she exercise? That pretty much leaves two options yes, no. Right. If I ask the question and I change it to an open ended and say, what exercise would be best for her? Totally different question. Now, he can still say, or she can still say, You know what, at this point in time, exercise is not best for her because of X, Y, and Z. But he can also say, you know what, exercise is limited. So if she can take a walk around the block or if she can go um, use a stationary bike, that would be good. Things like that where they're starting to dig a little bit deeper versus just say yes or no. And that's a very simple question. Yeah,
1: Open ended questions are great. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that's important. Um, and then the other thing is giving pushback. Sometimes that's really uncomfortable and it's a technique we teach reps as well. So, um, and I talked about my book. So if you need that cheat sheet, you can look there, but number one is ag- acknowledge what the physician says. So if he or she says something you disagree with first, acknowledge what you hear first of all, because sometimes we mishear things. So repeat back and say, if I understand correctly, this is what you've said. Number two, ask questions. If something isn't clear, don't be afraid to clarify. Don't feel like you're dumb. You're not. They use a lot of medical jargon and it's just comes off their tongue and they don't realize they're doing it right. They have good intentions. So clarify, ask questions, explain your perspective. This is how I understand it. I've done some research. This is what I've seen. I know that there's a recent trial out. These are just examples. And then the last one is after you explore in that explanation section of that conversation where you're having a back and forth, go to the agree part where you finally settle on where, what next steps are. And it takes time to go through this, but if you can kind of keep those things in mind, it'll help you to come to a good conclusion rather than just taking advice and leaving and maybe not feeling good with about next steps.
1: Yeah. You know, like we talked about at the beginning, I think your background uh, was obviously quite helpful to you during this process, uh, with your father and your sister, but looking at it now, is there anything that maybe you would have done differently?
2: Yes, there is. I, and I do write about this in the book, but I wish I had been even more, I was empathetic with my sister. I don't, I wasn't mature enough to be empathetic with my father and what he was going through. I was a selfish, even though I was 20, I was pretty much a teenager. Right. Um, with my sister, I was empathetic, but I wish I had more conversations about what she was going through mentally and physically, because it is a struggle. So we need to think about, we focus so much on the disease sometimes and fighting the disease that sometimes we forget about the patient and what they're going through. So even though Megan and I had those conversations, I wish we just had more of them. And that sometimes I had slowed down a little bit just to have more of those
1: conversations good, good advice good advice so aaron so t- tell me um uh just we only only about a, a minute left here so okay. maybe if you could just capitalize any uh advice you have for our listeners who who may be just starting to care for a loved one uh, yeah any words of wisdom for them
2: yeah, so two, two tips I have for you is, number one, get a notebook. Buy, go out, buy a new one. If you want to make it pretty because it's fun, go for it, whatever you need to do. <laughs> but get a notebook that's just for that patient and their care. And start taking notes and start recording everything that's important. The other thing that was a big help to my family was recording conversations with healthcare providers. Everyone these days has a smartphone. Um, you also can buy a recorder on Amazon if you prefer that. But um, ask the physician's permission before you do so, because you want to make sure that they're okay with being recorded. I know that we forget conversations. We're in shock. We get focused on one thing that the physician says, and we don't hear the rest. If you can record that conversation, it can be so useful to you in so many ways. You can listen to it in the future. You can go back to it and say, gosh, I missed that, or I need to follow up with this. And it's, a, it's, it's an archive of what your loved one is going through. And then one thing I didn't expect from that when we did that with my sister is I now have like about 20 recordings of her voice. Maybe not the conversations I want to have, but if I want to go back and listen
1: to her voice, I can do that. That's uh, that's great advice. So let me ask you, do you get pushback from doctors on that? Or what's the approach you take with them on why you're recording?
2: Yeah, so we never did. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if some physicians give pushback right so we would set it up in the beginning and say you know we have a, a tight-knit family and there's a few of and this is true and there's a few of us that aren't here today yeah. is it okay if we record this conversation so and I would maybe say so my mom can hear it later and they would say of course now I wouldn't I never did this with a physician that we didn't have a relationship with like on meeting number one we never did this we did this with Physicians who knew us and that we had met with several times and built a relationship that they knew we weren't trying to entrap them because to me, that's never the goal. It's not about suing them later. It's about we're a team. The physicians, the patient, and you, you're all a team fighting a disease. You're not fighting the physician. That's how I look at it, at least. Yeah.
1: Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on uh, on Boomers today. Really appreciate Thanks for it. Thanks um, Again, sorry everything you had to go through, but thank you for thank uh, you. sharing sharing this journey and, and helping others. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. It was so much fun talking to you. And I hope that something I shared works.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Check it out. Uh, badassadvocate.com. Check it out. Uh, And I want to thank everybody else for joining us today on Boomers Today. Be safe out there. We'll talk to everybody
0: real soon. You've been listening to Boomers Today with Frank Sampson. To learn more about today's show, visit boomerstodayradio.com. And join us next time for another edition of Boomers Today.